<laughs> so this morning we're going to be continuing in our series uh, on the church and what the church should look like. It's called The Bride of Christ. And uh, last week we talked about righteousness um, and how we as the church ought to value it and ought to live uh, upright and holy lives. And, and that not because we need to earn anything before God at all, um, not because uh, we need to somehow earn God's approval or somehow earn God's love. Uh, we can't do that. Uh, God tells us that our, even our good deeds are as filthy rags before him. And so um, the idea that we would seek to live righteously uh, in effort to love God better, in effort to uh, live worshipfully to him and, uh, and all of that. And so this week isn't going to be all that different, actually. Uh, the topic is going to be a little different, but a lot of the ideas and the truths are going to be similar. And so uh, we're actually going to discuss sacrifice this week as a principle that the church ought to live out. And so um, you may see... Yeah, we've, we've got this acronym, Mrs. Maybe some of you probably were like, oh my gosh, how long is this series going to go on? Mrs. M-I-S-S-E-S. No, it's just three, it's just three letters. M-R-S. Uh, got to end it someday. So uh, we're going we're gonna to pray and then we're going to dive into the text on what it means to, to live sacrificially. Um, God, Lord, we just thank you uh, for being present here. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring about us. God, I just ask that you'd speak. God, I pray that you uh, would be the one preaching today. God, I pray that your um, spirit would speak through me, God, and that uh, whatever people need to hear, even if it's not the direct words that I say, um, that, they, that they hear that, God. Lord, I pray that you um, move here today, and uh, God, we love you so much, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So we're going to be in Matthew 13, so if you want to turn there, you can turn there. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be on the screen for you. Matthew 13, uh, verses 44 and 45, <clears throat> says this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. All right, so this, this is uh, primarily what we're going to be looking at today, and so uh, imagine for a second that you're uh, either of these people that Jesus is talking about here in this parable. This is a parable, this obviously isn't a real uh, story. Uh, either the man that finds treasure in the field or the merchant that finds this priceless pearl. And, uh, can you imagine finding a pearl and, and selling everything that you have uh, in order to acquire that pearl? Maybe you could. Maybe you really, really like jewelry. I don't know. Maybe you're uh, into that sort of thing. Or maybe you just would sell it. What about treasure? Can you imagine stumbling upon some buried treasure and then selling everything that you have in order to buy the land that, it, that this treasure is on? Your belongings, your house, you know, your heirlooms, maybe um, anything, everything. Can you imagine doing that? And maybe you can. Um, but if you can, it's because either you don't think the... Um, it's because you, sorry, if you can't, it's because you don't think that the pearl or the treasure is very valuable, and specifically that it's not more valuable than what you already have. Uh, but if you can picture yourself doing just as the parable says here, then it's surely because in such a story you'd view the pearl as truly priceless, as something that contains in it more value than you can imagine. Not just something that's 
only a little more valuable than what you already have because you wouldn't go through the hassle of selling everything that you have uh, to get something that's only a little bit more valuable, but something that's infinitely more valuable, that's extremely more valuable, um, that this pearl is worth something more than uh, your home and your belongings and your comforts, far more than your, anything that you have in your possession, far more than anything you might have to give up to obtain that. This is important. This idea is important. We're going to talk about this kind of throughout this sermon um, is this idea. But looking at this scripture, I want to consider why Jesus said these things. Uh, it's a nice idea, right? The idea that, there, that the kingdom of God is something so valuable uh, that we would want to give up everything that we had in order to uh, attain it. But uh, more than that, uh, we know um, there's more than that present in this story uh, and that the kingdom of God is something that's worth giving up everything that we have. This seems to be a theme uh, throughout Jesus' teaching uh, a theme that's not always received well. We know um, the story of the rich young ruler in Mark 13. Um, really interesting story. This is not the only one that's like this. <clears throat> but um, he comes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And, uh, and Jesus tells him, um, and first off, he claims that he's kind of kept all of the commandments since his youth. He says that he's done everything right. And so Jesus says, hey, go and sell everything that you have and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And we know that this, this young man went away sad because he had much. And so in the parable that we just read and in this conversation um, with the rich young ruler and so many other places, Jesus is showing us something. Um, he's showing us two things, really. Uh, first, the unbelievable value of what it is that he has to offer us the unbelievable value of what he, it is that he has to offer us. That's his kingdom. That's uh, a relationship with him. That's, that's everything wrapped up in seeking Jesus. And two, we have the tendency to think the things we already have are more valuable than what Jesus has to offer. Um, and I think that that's true because why else would he share a, a parable like this? Um, what other purpose would it have other than to remind us that it's worth it, that it's so worth it to, to pursue Jesus with everything that we have? with our whole hearts, and that the life Jesus gives us both now and in eternity is worth way more than we can imagine. Way more than most people uh, believe it to be. Uh, for example, um, even the person that owned the, the pearl originally, um, he wanted to sell it, right? Like, he didn't think that it was, it was valuable enough for him to keep it. The man that owned the plot of land that the treasure was on uh, evidently didn't know just what it is that he was sitting on. But Jesus is saying this, some are going to get it, some are going to understand, some are going to come face to face with the offer that I make and will hold nothing from me because they know the true value of the kingdom of God and that it's worth infinitely more than anything they have or anything that they may need to give up. Um, so I was uh, talking to a friend of mine earlier this week uh, and we were discussing marriage, we were discussing um, just how uh, the Apostle Paul uh, talks about singleness, for example, as a gift from God. Um, and we were talking about the worry that some people have in regards to, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get married. Uh, some people may be called to a life of singleness, and others may end up married. Both of these things are good things. Um, but specifically, we were talking about the idea that for some people, it can be hard to stomach that if they choose to follow God, they may never get married. Um, that, and that's not true. That, that's not only true of marriage, all right? Like, I think that, that that's something that a lot of people would struggle with, like the idea that if I'm going to follow God, uh, I'm going to have to give up this thing that is, is uh, so important to me. Um, I think about 
people that struggle with same-sex attraction, for example, which, I mean, if you have questions about that, you can ask me after the service. I'm not going to dive into that right now. We've dived into that before. We've preached a sermon on that before. But my friend was asking me uh, about how he should go about talking to people like this, people that are struggling with the idea that, like, man, if, if I want to follow Jesus, I may have to give up something really important to me. Uh, he was talking about um, asking how he should go about uh, pursuing them and, and almost like softening the blow, so to speak. You know what I mean? Um, how he can get them to think about pursuing Christ, even though the cost of that seems higher than maybe it does for me, right? Like God gave me the, the gift of marriage, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, it's great. It's amazing. It's an awesome gift. I have an awesome wife. Uh, she's behind the curtain here, actually. <laughs> and and I, see, I see God's goodness in that relationship and in all of that, and I think it can be easy to see that. And, and if you don't end up with the same privilege, um, that maybe you're missing out or maybe you're not able to live life to the fullest that, that, that uh, you can while you're here on earth or something like that. And so um, I asked him the question. I said, what percent of your life is God asking you to surrender to him? And he said, well, 100%. And it got me thinking. It's like, all right, well, what about me? What, what percent is God asking me to surrender to him? What percent of my life the same answer, 100%. What about homeless people, the homeless people in Cincinnati? What percent? 100. Married people, 100%. Single people, 100%. And we could go on and on and on uh, here, but this is if this is true, like the comparisons are pointless because while some may have to give up things that others don't, I don't know if that was me or somebody else, if some may have to, some may have to give up things that others don't, but we are all called the surrender, all of our lives, our whole lives. And that's never going to be an easy task. Um, and that, that seems evident by the fact that as Jesus engages with these people in his story, there are constantly people that turn away from him. Um, people like the rich young ruler that, that went away sad. Um, if we had an understanding of the unbelievable value that Jesus has, we would come to him open-handed, and let him take whatever he pleases. Because there's not a chance that anything that we have to offer can rival the value that Jesus has. Matthew 13, 44 and 45. I'm going to read this again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. And, and it's this foundation that Paul had whenever he wrote this, um, Romans 12, 1. This is probably the type of verse that someone would think about when they think about the idea of sacrifice. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. And so this foundation that Jesus is something so valuable that we ought to come with him, come to him with, with open hands, willing, always, to, to give up anything and everything, our whole lives. And so the question we ought to ask ourselves is this, do we really believe that Jesus is of more value than anything in this world? Are we sure that we believe that? Because if we did, we would joyfully sell out for him. We wouldn't hesitate to give of ourselves because we have such a strong understanding of Jesus' worth. 
And not only that, we wouldn't hesitate because we wouldn't feel somehow slighted if God calls us to give something up that another person may not have to give up. We wouldn't feel the sense of, woe is me, my predicament is worse than yours, right? But rather, we'd rejoice at the treasure that we found. Maybe that's difficult to think about in regards to specifics, so what if we ask this question instead? What do I hesitate to surrender? What is it that I hesitate to surrender? And if there's something that comes to mind, there's a good chance that maybe we don't have an accurate view of the value that Jesus has for us, the value of the kingdom of heaven. Maybe your answer is nothing at all, and if that's true, praise God for that. But I know for a lot of us, I mean, there's something immediately that comes to mind. What is it that I'm hesitant to give up to God? That's probably something that we seem to think uh, at least is comparable in value, right, to where we would hesitate. Um, and, And so... With all of that, as, as the church, what are some ways that we ought to live sacrificially? And, and, and the answer, of course, is in every way, right? Uh, but that's not exactly helpful. Uh, we could say, oh, yeah, we're supposed to live sacrificial completely in every area of our lives, but that's not always helpful in diagnosing uh, some of the areas in which we ought to improve and ought to, to grow. And, and so um, even before I share these, living sacrificially um, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give something up. Uh, The definition I've been kind of going by is this for sacrifice, surrendering something over to God's will rather than your own, right? So giving up control. It's not necessarily giving it away. For example, uh, if we're uh, sacrificing our family, um, that would not mean, hey, I'm walking out of my family. I don't want a relationship with them, right? But the idea would be there that we uh, surrender control, that we give up control of that. That, that whatever God uh, would have for that relationship, that we would, we would seek that. That we would seek God's will for our relationships with our family, for example. So um, there are five things that I was thinking of that I think um, we as a church ought to be good at sacrificing. The first thing is sacrificing our dignity and pride. Our dignity and pride. Uh, we naturally, I think, want to preserve ourselves. Uh, we naturally want to be loved and liked by all people. We want to be seen as competent, gifted human beings. We want to be seen as strong and independent. Uh, we're, pr- we're prone to thinking of ourselves first and foremost. And, and if we are to surrender everything to Jesus and to follow after him, we're called to come and die. To die to ourselves, to die to our desires, to die um, to, to all of those things, to sacrifice those things in favor of pursuing God and in favor of loving others. Um, and so to stop thinking of ourselves all the time and to value others more than you value yourself. This means not worrying about what other people think about you in every interaction that you have. Right? Not worrying about your dignity there. Um, there's, there's a guy in, in one of my D groups. His name is Nathan. He's been a huge encouragement to me. Um, I asked him if I could share this. If you know Nathan, he's pretty introverted, uh, reserved, sometimes a shy fellow. Uh, I don't say that as a slight to him. He would say that himself, I think. And uh, <laughs> he nods. Um, and, and so this week we were talking about how he's been going out to do outreach and doing contact evangelism and how sometime last week someone asked him uh, how he got over his fear of going out and talking to strangers about Jesus. And when he was telling this story, he just kind of smiled and he's like, I haven't, I'm terrified. That's what he said. <laughs> and I was like... Man, what an encouragement there. Um, I love that. What an example of being a living sacrifice, that, that he cares enough about the people around him and enough about obeying God that he's willing to go out and do something that's utterly terrifying to him. You know? 
And it's not even about outreach. It's just the idea that like, he's, he's putting any uh, fear aside of what people may think of him in favor of living as God's own possession. I know that Nathan's not the only one that does that. I know that he's not the only one in this room that is, is good at being a living sacrifice. Which is awesome, by the way. Uh, we ought to sacrifice our dignity. The second thing is this, uh, sacrificing our time or convenience. Our time or convenience. Um, you know, w- when I think about uh, caring for homeless people or loving homeless people, you know the major thing that holds me back? You know the major thing that w- when I walk by somebody who's homeless on the street, uh, sometimes I, I stop and chat and other times I don't. You know the major thing, though, uh, that holds me back when I don't? It's not money. Some of you are thinking money. It's not money. Um, I, I'll, I'll give of my money. That's fine. It's convenience. It's time. It's purely a, I'm not sure that I have time for this right now. Or uh, I, I really just want to get to where I'm going. Um, you know, I'm on a schedule, that kind of thing. Um, it's, uh, I've got somewhere to be right now. I don't have time to stop and chat and, and take you to get some food because I don't have cash on me. It's 2018, you know. Um, and my point is this, as followers of Christ, we should be giving of our time and convenience to the mission and kingdom of God to have such a tight fist on what we think is ours, especially regarding time. Um, we ought to stop doing that and instead be looking to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to remember that we were bought with a price. Your time is not your time anymore. It's the most valuable resource that we have. Um, which is hard for some people to, to say, especially college students, broke college students. It's the most valuable resource that we have is time, and, and therefore I think is the most valuable thing that God can use in us. Um, sacrificing our time. The third thing is sacrificing our calling. This one's tough for college students. Why? Well, because you guys are all here to, to learn how to make money, to learn how to... Uh, I don't know, learn how to do some sort of skill so that you can do uh, the kind of work that's meaningful to you. Usually one of those two things, right? You want to come out of college making more money than you came in, hopefully. Or maybe you're just so passionate about whatever it is that you want to do that you want to learn that skill um, in order to, to, to do that work. Um, which isn't a bad thing, by the way. Uh, but again, what percentage of our lives did Jesus want? 100% of our lives. And so to come to God open-handed and submit your work and your calling to him, God, where do you want me to work? What kind of work do you want me to do? And in what location? It's an important one too. Uh, Something that we often uh, preach to our leadership is that we would love for everyone in our church to consider the missional community that they'll be a part of when they choose their job. So, So not just choosing, you know, your dream job right off the bat just because that's, that's what you would want to do, but to consider where it is that you're going and what God might be doing uh, through you there, to consider a church to be a part of. We would love for everyone to consider being part of a church plant. What would it look like for you to say no to your number one job offer uh, in favor of finding a job in like Louisville for a church plant in Louisville? I think that these are the kinds of things that we have to think about if we're going to be invested in the kingdom of God, if we're going to um, really live sacrificially as God's church. Uh, and that's not something that everyone's called to as far as, uh, you know, picking up and moving for a church plant. But to surrender your will in that, I think, is the important thing. To surrender your will in your work uh, to the will of God. God, where would you have me work? The other thing, 
God, how would you have me minister to those at my work? This is something that I think we fear sometimes because we don't know how appropriate that is, right? Appropriate in work. Uh, We don't know how appropriate that is. We don't know if we can get fired for that, uh, which is so silly to me, I think. Um, And I'm I would be guilty of that too, by the way, whenever I was like on co-op and stuff like that, that was something that I thought about. But the reality is like, man, we serve the God of the universe who literally provides for us always. We're gonna worry about whether or not we get fired for speaking his name. It's absurd. Not only that, like the, the, the other thing is that the people that we follow, the, the people that uh, we use as examples in the scriptures, the, apo- the apostles, they followed after Jesus, literally dying from sharing their faith. And we're like, what if I lose my job? Come on. You know what I mean? Like, this is so much more valuable than that. How can we sacrifice our job, career, and calling unto the Lord? The the fourth thing, sacrificing our money. Sacrificing our money. Some people really hate preaching about money. Uh, I kind of don't mind. My context is a little different than the average preacher, though. Um, All of our staff team is, like, support-based missionaries. So, like, whether or not you give to our church affects us like zero. So, you know, that's cool. Um, that means that we can, we can preach about money for your heart's sake and not for, um, I don't know, our income or something like that. Uh, the other thing is our church is primarily college students, which means you don't have a lot of money. So there's that. Um, <laughs> but one of the things Jesus talks about is uh, a, con- a considerable amount during his ministry is money. He says things like, you can't serve both God and money. It's something that can easily have a stranglehold on our lives, and he, that wouldn't be the case. If that's not the case, he wouldn't have preached so much about it. We can easily worry about money. We can hold on to our money and think that it's ours. There's something about giving of our funds that's really freeing. Get into the habit of giving of your money and possessions. It's really not worth as much as you think. Um, the treasure you will have in heaven is far more valuable. Uh, the last thing, sacrificing our relationships. Friends, family, romantic relationships, um, all of these. How can we submit these to God and his will? What would it look like for you to submit your relationships to the will of God? Would you ask more about your family's uh, beliefs? Would you see how they're doing spiritually? Would you ask if they want to come to church? Would you uh, work harder at pushing your friends closer to God, even the ones that you've known for a long time and have become more complacent in? Specifically, even which friends should be, you be spending the most time with? Maybe you should be spending more time with the friends that, that don't know Jesus. Maybe you should be spending some more time with, uh, you know, the people that are in your church body. What about romantic relationships? This is a tough one, I think, because of our culture. It's such an idol, man. Gosh. What a stupid idol. It's a terrible God relationships are, but, but seeking to honor God in your relationship with your significant other. If God, like, is God involved in that relationship for you? Is he involved at all? One. Two, is your significant other somebody that's going to push you closer to Jesus? It's a good starting place. I don't know. Um, be, be thinking about that. All of that and more are things that we ought to submit to God if we're presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. And again, this is an area that we can very much pity ourselves and think, woe is me if you feel like you have to give up more than others. Jesus is so much more valuable than that. Here's the beauty in all of this. <clears throat> Jesus isn't calling you to do something that he didn't do himself. Isn't that a great leader 
You'll hear that thought everywhere, really. Great leaders don't ask people to do something that they're not willing to do themselves, right? Like, that's just a common idea. You would hear that probably in the workplace, all of that. But Jesus was the perfect living sacrifice, right? He lived perfectly. And I don't just mean dying on the cross, but his life, he lived as a perfect living sacrifice. There was nothing that he had that was kept from his father. Every interaction he had with people was given over to God. Every cent he had was not his own. Every piece of bread he had, he understood to be a gift from his father. All of his time lived in perfect submission to God. And he did all of this, why? Well, I mean, like, for sure to, to make God's name known and glorified, like, that's part of it. For sure to give us an example to live by, that's part of it. But more than that, like, why did Jesus even come? He came and lived his life in perfect submission to God. Why? He did that in order to, to give up his life, that he would be hung on a cross so that those who believe in him would be given eternal life. And that begins now and lasts forever. He came and lived and died and resurrected so that we could sit here today wondering, how can I live more sacrificially for God? That's nuts to think about, by the way, that, that you, you would even ponder that, right? Why would we do that? Why would we even care? <laughs> it's nuts. How old are you, 20? You know, and you're thinking about, how can I sacrifice more of my life to God? And the only reason you're thinking about that is because Jesus came and lived a perfect life for us and died. And as a result, if we believe in that, he gives us like a new heart. He gives us new life. He makes us brand new. Man, that we'd be constantly asking as a result of that new life, what can I submit to you, God? Jesus was the perfect living sacrifice and made it possible for us to want to do the same so that we could have a relationship with God that embodies what's in Matthew 13, that we joyfully and willfully give up our lives and whatever else we have in order to know him. I'm going to end on this, this scripture. This scripture, I think, really does a good job of encompassing this. It's in Philippians 3. Really pay attention to this. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that's through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. It's not something we can earn. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Um, let, let's pray. God, um, Lord, I pray that we would have a deep understanding of your value. God, that we know so much about your value that, that we consider all of the things in our lives to be filth by comparison. God, that we would love you far more than anything that we would have to give up, that we wouldn't hesitate if, if you're calling us to sacrifice or give up something. God, help us to understand that value so much more than we do right now. To not feel like pity for ourselves or, or, or that, oh no, like I have to give up something that really sucks, but to see how valuable you are and how valuable your kingdom is and how valuable our relationships with you are. God, we love you so much and we pray this in Jesus' name.